Today's episode is sponsored by ChrisTaylorRacing.com. Welcome to Driven to Compete. I'm Kerry Rouse, and I travel to racetracks around the U.S., where I interview members of the racing community and share their stories as a form of inspiration for our community. I'm here with Stephen Hunt, and we are at VIR for the GT World Challenge. And I ran into Stephen over here at the Rooster Hall Racing. Um, and it turns out you used to work for them. I did. Tell me a little bit about that. What was your well, role? Uh, just going back a little farther, I, I did. I crewed for my dad when he raced a Porsche back in the mid '80s. Okay. And uh, the, the racing bug bit. Yep. And uh, as soon as I could financially afford it, I started doing track days and uh, and instructing and uh, eventually racing. And about that time, uh, as I was getting ready to, re I was approaching retirement. I was approached by Todd Brown, the team owner of yeah. Rooster Hall. Uh, and uh, he offered me a position uh, as a uh, to help them uh, as a team manager uh, away from the track, and then as a set the setup guy at the track. Okay. So I retired early and uh, and went to work for Todd. So tell me a little bit about what the responsibilities entail uh, when uh, if they're not at the track, and then help people understand who who don't know what that role does. What do you do at the track as well? I, I think it varies a little bit, but as a team manager, you basically do every job that nobody else wants to do. <laughs> so you're, you're doing all of the, the logistics, you're scheduling flights, you're booking Airbnbs, you're, uh, you're making coordinating with uh, whoever's uh, doing the catering, you're, you're doing all those little things to yep. make sure that once you arrive at the track, uh, you're, you're ready to go. And then when you arrive at the track, you're helping do all the setup. Yep. You're helping to do all those jobs, you know, to get set up for the weekend. Now you had already done a lot of that stuff on your own for yourself. Exactly. Right? Yes. So there wasn't a maybe a big learning curve, but there's a lot more people involved, I would imagine. Exactly. So you know, just the level of complexity and uh, how important it was, you know, escalated yeah. dramatically. Yeah. So doing it yourself, uh, you know, there's no there's no real stress. You know, you can do it at your own pace. Once you go to work for a professional race team, you know, it, it's no longer at your pace. You know, you have to get it done, and it it can be very stressful, especially you know back then, because you know, the, you know our setup, our uh, alignment rig wasn't. Uh, state of the art yep. you know uh, Todd insisted that every every car go on the rig after every session oh wow <laughs> so oh my gosh we, we stayed very busy at the track so we were constantly making changes and and it paid off I mean we won a championship uh, because of that uh, that attention to that level of detail so when you joined them was it a pro team then or not it was. It, it was, was the second year oh, okay. uh, as a pro team. They had uh, ran the previous year uh, with a rookie driver and uh, and did well. He, they, he won rookie of the year. Okay. Uh, the next year is when they uh, uh, when they tapped uh, Johan to drive for them. And well, actually, let me back up a little bit. We did not win the championship that year. I I, I started mid year. Okay. And I think we finished 
third, third that year. It's the next year, the next full year, you know, that we really uh, went after the championship. Okay. By then, we had everything fine-tuned, and we were ready to make a, a run for the championship. Was it SRO? Or? It, w uh, it was SRO. It was, uh, let's see, it was, it was during that transition, you yeah. know, from World Challenge to SRO. Yeah. Was, uh, but the second year was definitely SRO. Okay, great. So, that wasn't that long ago, then? No. No, not uh, just a few years ago. Okay, and so you retired again, and you're not doing this. Well, we at the end of that year, uh, we lost sponsorship. Okay. And you live and die by sponsorship yes. yep. at, at the pro level. Yep. And uh, when Todd came to work one day and said, uh, so Steve, how's that job search going? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I, I knew right then. I needed to be looking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it worked out well. I mean, I'm happy. You know, I'm a program manager for a you know, DOD contractor, and uh, I'm doing fine with that and still doing my own thing, going to the runoffs this year uh, with SCCA. So tell me, okay, so let's go back to when you very, you very sure, sure started to ride. You did track days and things like that, but when you got your competition license, what were you racing? I was racing a, a Mazda Miata okay. in a showroom stock Miata, SSM okay. uh, in SCCA, which is a great place to start. You have huge fields. We, it wasn't uncommon to start with 45, 50 cars. That's awesome. Uh, and you have tons and tons of competition. Yeah. And you know the Miata is the perfect platform to learn to race on because it, it is a it's a momentum car. Yep. And learning to carry speed through the corners is, is like uh, so critical uh, when you when you start doing this stuff. You know, if you could if you could drive a slow car fast, you can drive a fast car. Exactly. Fast. That's exactly right. It carries <laughs> right over. Absolutely. So that was the first car, the SS SSR Miata. And then, um, what was after that? How long did you race in Miata? Well, uh, I kind of got the endurance racing bug after that. Okay. So uh, I sold that that Miata. I ended up going up to ITA, raced it for a couple years, and then sold it yep. and bought another Miata and started doing the endurance racing with uh, three of the different series. First. Uh, Lemons, then Champ Car, then then AER. Uh, AER, and and nowadays, WRL has kind of taken a lot of people from AER, haven't they? Or is AER well, still just as strong? It's as kind ever? of a regional thing. Okay. Uh, AER is, is pretty much just the East Coast. Okay. WRL is more Midwest oriented, yep. although they do have some races that come back this way. Yep. So it's it, I don't really think they step on the, each other's okay. toes too much. Interesting. Yeah, I, I'm just familiar with WRL more because I think they're more in my exactly. neck of the woods. Exactly so. right. Um, so how, how did things go for you in the, in the endurance? It went fine. I mean, uh, we did well. You know, we were competitive yep. and we had a lot of fun. Yep. And, you know, and that's what counts. And uh, it's it's the cheapest uh, racing seat time you can get. You know, the key is finding you know those good drivers who aren't going to damage the car, uh -huh. and uh, and everybody has a good time. And it's more of a team sport, yeah, uh, which makes it uh, fun as well. Now, was it one car, two cars? Just the one car. One well, car? actually, I did do two cars one time, okay, and I was so stressed <laughs> <laughs> that I never did it again. As a team owner, or as a, as the car owner, it, it can be very stressful because yeah. they. I never have found the magic formula for endurance racing because as a team owner, 
typically uh, you're working your butt off to get everything to the track, uh, getting recruiting drivers, the right drivers, yep. uh, getting to the track, you know, having the cars all set up correctly, and then you know, uh, uh, doing the driver lineup, and you're you're typically last because you want to make sure that your paying yep. drivers yep. are getting their seat time That's first. Right. That's so right. So what typically happens is the car breaks, you end up fixing the car during the time you should be driving, and you, and you don't even get to drive. <laughs> So I did that for several years and decided, you know, being a, a, an owner is, is really not the way to go. Yeah. <laughs> so then, from then on, I started just buying seats and working with other endurance racing teams as well as doing the SCCA stuff. Yeah, I've heard from a lot of people that it's just tough being an owner. It it's really very tough. Is. The magic formula is finding four equally talented drivers who are also mechanically inclined who also live within you know 25 30 miles of each other so you, they're they're equally invested in the car yeah but that's that's almost impossible yeah. i know teams that have done it but it, it's very rare uh, so i mean rooster hall's been successful they've won uh several times and then they seem to keep on growing. They do. They're doing uh, very well. So, what do you think their formula has been with you working for them? What, what did you see that was the key for them? Well, <clears throat> doing well on the track is number one. Yep. I mean, if you're if you're not getting your car, uh, you know, on TV, a lot of the race, you you just you just don't get the exposure. So, getting that exposure is number one. So, being up front and being competitive, you know, racing other cars is critical to that. Mm -hmm. that. That gets you the TV time. And then uh, networking, you know, uh, knowing who to talk to, who's yep. looking for a ride, who has who has sponsorship. Because, yep. uh, you know, again, you know, th this kind of racing lives and dies by the sponsorship dollars. You just have to have it. You know, what's interesting is um, I think the general public has a misconception about uh, racing. <clears throat> They basically think that the drivers get paid to race. Yeah, they don't realize how rare that it, is. It is the opposite. It is exactly it, uh, the opposite. It's the teams who get paid by the drivers. <laughs> Most and of the time, at yes. Almost at any level. That's true at almost any level. Yeah. Either the, the driver has the money or they have a sponsor with the money. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, how, do you, how, do you, how are you doing right now in the SCCA for this season? Well, I'm doing okay. Um, I'm fourth in the Northeast Conference in STL out of 41 cars, so I've, I'm pretty much already qualified. Yeah. Uh, I'm going the, it, it, with the SCCA, you either have to do three majors uh, and, and place in the top 50% in your conference, or you have to do two majors uh, and two regionals. But even if you do the two, just two majors, you still have to be in the top 50% of points. Yeah, yeah. So uh, once I, Finished up at Watkins Glen a couple weeks ago. Finished third on, on Sunday oh, in the nice, feature race. Nice so uh, that booted me. I went from 12th to fourth in the uh, Northeast Conference, and then I, I thought I had enough cushion to where I'll just do the regional uh, yeah. route for the uh, remaining two races. Okay, great. Um, and obviously, you have to be going to runoffs because they're here. Absolutely. And it's like your backyard, basically. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So um, I have not been on the track here before, <clears throat> but. Maybe next year. This year I'm taking a break from racing to do the podcast. Okay. But I'll be at a lot of the races. So um, do you have any uh, favorite tracks? Well, Summit Point is my home track. So I, oh, okay. Uh, You're real close to the yeah, Summit so, Point. Uh, I like Summit Point. You know, that's uh, you know, it's been my track right from the beginning. But I love VIR. 
I love Watkins Glen, I, even though you know it's a very unforgiving track. I did. I have some blue paint on my car to prove it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I really like the old school tracks. Like I, I would you, love Road America. I'd love to get out there sometimes. You ever been to Hallett in Oklahoma? I have not. But I, I lived in Wichita, Kansas, okay. for seven years, and uh, I, I would love to get out there sometimes. Yeah, that's that's kind of like uh, another old school time. They do, do do a great job, and the, the track is hilly and twisty and turny, and there's very few like spots where you just kind of go straight yeah and it's that's it's, my kind of track yeah as a miata driver yeah i love technical tracks that's amazing i love the uh the miata thing because a lot of people have told me the very same thing like if you really want to learn how to drive and be in a competitive field the miata is the way to go it is it absolutely is because a lot of the a lot of the classes are undersubscribed yeah uh, like in, in stl at at Watkins Glen a super tour race there was only four full you know full stl build cars yeah the rest were double dipping uh, spec mianos or yep. its cars yeah so yeah, that and that's at pretty much the highest level of sca is the super tour yep. uh, and at the regional level there was only two last weekend when i was at summit point with the car yep so yeah with spec miata and ssm huge fields always somebody to race with yeah well, um, so those are your favorite tracks. Any any tracks that you're like, oh man, I just have not had any luck there. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, not really. Good. I, I, I love being at the track. That's what I live for. So uh, do you have any real memorable races that you will never forget? Wow. I, 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 it's more of just a composite, not a single race. Okay. But just, you know, you know, great moves, great, you know, I love, you know, when I, when I can use good race craft, because that's really what it's all about. You know, you can, and it's something that you have to work on for years. A perfect example is at Summit Point, coming down into turn one, uh, I, I finally developed a good approach to holding that car out wide, going in deep with them, and then cutting in late, okay. you know, to take the line away from them. It's those kinds of, of moves that I that I live for, that I'm always thinking about. Because yep. that, that, the race craft is, is really what differentiates you know, the really good drivers from the not so good drivers yep. is that, you know, the, the, you know, setting up for that pass and doing it in such a way, you know, that it's just seamless, you know. Uh, so something else I wanted to ask. So with everything going on, you're going to continue racing SCCA, I yes. imagine. What, any other future plans for racing outside of that? Well, definitely the, the runoffs this year that uh, I'll probably go back to just doing the regionals this, this uh, or next year. I, I've never gotten a, uh, a regional championship. I would love to check that box Okay. Uh, in the D.C. region, yep. which is a really strong region. So yep. that's kind of the plan for right now, but we'll see. Do you think you'll go to the runoffs uh, to, in Road America next year? I would love to, but the, you know, the cost, uh, you know, the tires alone are just budget breaking anymore tell yeah. me tell me what do the tires cost for your car uh twelve hundred and eighteen dollars a set for four for four and then and they the heat cycles you get maybe seven eight heat cycles out of wow so think of do the math <laughs> yeah so with the with the, the b specs it's so different um i think each a pair of tires because you don't do four at a time right you right, do a pair right and it's like 335 
for a pair. Right. And, you know. I, I didn't mention it, but I crewed for Brian Price when he won the B-Spec Championship okay. in 2014. <laughs> so I know all about, yeah, all you know about B-Spec. <laughs> no, I heard a story from Steve intro about about his co-driver what not co-driver but the what's his, his name again drafting partner drafting partner uh, rich roman rich roman and steve showed up to summit point and that's where he met uh rich roman and he said he just got he got spanked by him <laughs> at summit point well that's his home track and exactly and then it, steve was like I, okay, I need to talk to this guy. We could team up for the runoffs, and they did. And they did. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Steve won last year, so I, su I suspect Rich is probably going to win this year. Well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> it seems uh, to be his turn. Now, Rich, is, Rich has been at Summit Point forever. Forever. Is an instructor there, yes, too? Yes, uh, I mean, so yes. So he and you know all the secrets of that track, right? <laughs> well, and more so than me, but okay. yes. Okay, but it's, it's a good... It's a good home track to it have is. because there's probably uh, right. several secrets there. It is, yes. Uh, you know, it's not a horsepower track, but it's not overly technical. Yeah. So it, it is a, a good, you know, moderate track uh, as far as the characteristics are concerned. So um, let's say you were going to give advice to somebody who is, you know, they're not a they're not a 12 year old. They're an adult, and they want to start like experiencing racing to see if they even want to do it. Sure. How would how would you tell them to kind of start? Well, there's there's uh, several ways to go about it, uh, but exposure is, is the best. You know, start getting that exposure. And SCCA, flagging, you know, being a flagger, a volunteer flagger is a great, great way to start to get that, that exposure, being able to see all the different cars, talk to the drivers, and, and just start, uh, you know, decide which way you want to go. Miata is great, but it's not the only way to go. Yeah. Uh, decide what platform you want to start out in. Uh, start doing track days, working with an instructor, you know, finding good instructors, and uh, just start working on, on those fundamentals. Uh, you know, I've been instructing for uh, 14 years now. So, you know, the fundamentals are absolutely critical. You know, you have to do, as a racing driver or just a track driver, you have to do so many things automatically. It needs to be subconsciously done. Otherwise, if you have to think about it, you're, you're uh, behind the car. Yep. You have to stay ahead of the car. You know, you're just keeping your eyes up and doing things automatically. So, it, seat time is, is critical. Yeah. Start, start doing track days, working with an instructor. You know, move up to the solo group. Uh, keeping, you know, just kind of keeping an eye on, on all the options, deciding uh, whether you want to, you know, uh, start racing or not, and uh, go to driver school and, and just work your way up the ladder. It really is a ladder. Yeah. Um, nowadays, uh, if, you know, people that show up to driver school that don't have any track time is almost unheard of because there's so many different opportunities, yeah. so many track day programs out there that you can get just tons and tons of track time. Uh, and uh, you're really starting to work on when you get your competition license it's like I mentioned earlier is race yeah one thing that I've heard from other people too is a really really affordable way to get into the sport is maybe taking your own car to autocross or something Absolutely. like that that's true I didn't go that route that's probably why I didn't mention it but yeah autocross is a great way to go as well yeah so a lot of people just don't realize they, they can do that right Right, and they it's cheap. They, yeah. It's their daily driver. Yeah. You know, and you throw a set of tires on it and uh, and go. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And that the, what that does, it starts to teach you about uh, vehicle dynamics. Yep. 
feeling that weight moving around on the suspension and how you know being really smooth on the driver inputs in order to do that in a smooth way to you know to, to maximize your grip uh, through the corners so yeah a, a great way to start so you mentioned that you've been instructing for a while have you ever been scared to death with somebody in the Absolutely. car? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, uh, and nothing bad has happened. Nothing bad has happened. Okay. But as an instructor, you you pick up very quickly what you're dealing with. Yeah. And if a person has just doesn't have it, just doesn't have the talent, you pick on it very pick up on it very quickly, and you know you've got your work cut out for you that yep. day because yep. you know that you're just going to be talking to them almost constantly, you know, preaching. And, and it's hard because the windows hard. are down. It is hard. And, 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 and you, you have, have to have a communicator. Yeah. I, I, I use a communicator. Yeah, you have to. All, you just have to. Uh, but, but, and that's fine. You accept that as an instructor because you know that, like, for instance, uh, it was, what, about a month ago, I had a student, as a matter of fact, it's so funny. Uh, he, he, did, he did amazingly well. His first time at Dominion Raceway, it's only a second track day in a Volkswagen GTI, and he was just killing it. You know, I did an orientation lap with him, uh, or laps when I, with me driving, showed him the track, showed him where, you know, where she, he should be, and it, right from the first get, drop, you know, he was just on it. And uh, for three sessions, I sat in the right seat and did not worry about anything because the kid was just so good. Yeah. And uh, we pull in, and I ask him, well, you know, what are your plans? And uh, I said, well, I'm going to go to college, and. Uh, I said, oh, that's interesting. I, you know, I actually worked for Rooster Hall Racing, and we had interns from the West Virginia Formula SAE program. Yeah. He says, well, that's where I'm going, and I'm uh, going in the Formula SAE program. Wow. How about that? <laughs> so did you guys get him as an intern? No, no, this will be his first year, and they okay. generally get interns from their, you know, their junior and senior year. I see. Uh, for, okay. I, I'm not really sure that they're still doing it. I think they are. I see some young guys out here, and I'm assuming that, uh, that they're interns. That's a cool program. So I, I've met some other people on the SAE program for different schools, and then um, in the Skip Barber team, they've got a couple interns over there. Yeah. So it's, it's it is a great program. It's a neat program. It is. Well, yeah, uh, I'm glad nothing bad has happened on the instruction. <laughs> I can imagine it takes it takes some guts to sit with somebody you don't know. And now, you well, you just have to be brutally honest. You yeah, know, and, and say you know. You brought the wrong car, and that's happened several times. You can't learn this stuff if you're in the completely wrong car. Yeah. You know, it just makes it almost impossible. It's hard enough as it is, yep. especially in combination with not having any particular skills. Oh, it, yeah, it could get very ugly. So what, what's worse, somebody who's overdriving a car or somebody who's so timid you're worried you're going to get... Overdriving. Yeah. yeah. Overdriving and they don't know they're overdriving. Yeah. That's the scary ones because yeah. they just, you know, you know they don't have a good feel for what the car is doing because yeah. of the way they're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and and it can be unpredictable. Well, and you just have to tell them. You have to be brutally honest. You are driving way too hard. You have got to slow down. <laughs> And, and and start working from a you know a lower level because yeah. you are going to destroy this car. Yeah, and, and it happens. <clears throat> uh, we had a uh, instructor at Dominion roll a race, roll his car, oh. his, his BMW M4, oh. uh, because he got in you know he got in out over his head and uh, you know tried jerked the wheel and rolled it. Was he just <laughs> a, a three point? Yes. Oh, oh yeah. no! Oh, Gosh. Yeah. 
so it can happen. Yeah. I mean, uh, somebody told me years and years ago that nothing good happens to your car at the track. Well, and, and that is true. Nothing bad has to happen, but nothing good is going to happen. So it's funny you say that. So I've I, and I've only raced two years. I'm 51. I didn't start until I was 49. I was 48. Okay. And uh, I don't know how often this happens to people, but I've I've rolled the car from getting hit from behind at uh, Coda. Oh my goodness! At the end of the long straight, oh, they just didn't break, and oh, I did yeah. as well, I, I was turning. I got T-boned. I didn't get rolled, but Woo. I got T-boned at the end of the long straight. Well, these these B specs are so top heavy. Oh, that's right, right. right. And yeah, remember the Fiats? They would roll all by themselves. Oh yeah, yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> they don't race those anymore. No, you don't see anybody. That's why. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I've, I've been in that situation, but it's so much safer. Um, you know, I felt, I tell people, I felt like I rolled over in a marshmallow. It was just, um, no, I did nothing touch me at all. Um, but there's still, plenty of room on the inside there's of plenty cars. of room. I don't yeah. even think, it, I don't even think that it crushed to the, to the roll cage. Yeah. It didn't even hit the roll cage. So, well, thank you so much You're for welcome. your time. It's a pleasure you meeting you. It. I want to thank you for listening to Driven to Compete. It's been a pleasure sharing this episode, and I hope we've provided some inspiration and entertainment along the way. If you like the content, please share and like. But I have one ask for everyone listening. I would appreciate more than anything to add you to my weekly newsletter. Simply visit my website, driventocompete.com, and you'll see a form to get on my newsletter where I share exclusive content and giveaway swag. Oh,